0: Thank you for being here. I wasn't expecting many because I thought it's been a lovely warm day and people might want to just enjoy the sun. Um, But thank you for being here. It's very kind, especially when you've done a lot of work, um, you know, studying this up. It's nice to think that people are interested. (laughs) Um, I must admit, when I do all this study, the thought crosses my mind and I think, why? What are we doing all this for? And is there any purpose? And you know, is it really going to prove worthwhile? And and I believe it is because I believe for a very long time, just as when the Bible was in Latin and therefore the people had to just go to the minister or the priest or whatever and basically be told whatever they heard in order to put things right with God or whatnot. Um, You know, it was, it, it meant that, the people just had to obey and listen, I think that there's been a similar thing going on even in the context of what we've understood about Jesus and his father and, you know, the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament and there's been some, like we keep saying, there's been some mischief and so we're trying to sort that mischief out. Now, what you find is that people are not really interested and somebody said to me last week, oh yeah. You're just, you're messing with my fixed understanding and I feel really uncomfortable. And I I get that, I really do. But for me, truth is truth, whether you know it or you don't know it. (laughs) It's no good saying, well, you know, you've taught me that truth, therefore I'm not happy anymore. It's like, well, if it's the truth, it's the truth. Get over it, (laughs) you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I know it's a a tough business, but this is what we're trying to do. We've been very... At least, I believe, having integrity in what we've been called to do. I look at that regularly, running the race marked out for us. It doesn't mean that everybody's got this race to run, but we believe this is our race, and so we've been faithful to it. Right. Ant got back yesterday. Um, I think he's, in his head, he's still in Australia. He's very jet-lagged. So I said, well, look, I'll I'll do a deal with you. I'll do tonight. And... uh, You look after Riley because, you know, Connie's in her last week at um, the university doing her uh, whatever they're called, the shows that will ultimately decide whether she passes or whatever. So that's what's going on there. So, yes, he'll probably be watching online. Hi, hello. Unless, you know, Riley's running rings around him and he's not in bed yet. So maybe he's not. Okay. So what I want to try and do tonight um, uh, is just quickly recap last week just to give you uh, the framework and then I'm going to take you a little bit further. I have got pages and pages and pages of notes that I will probably not even be able to refer to because there's just too much. So what I'm going to try and do is just go from my heart on what I've understood and um, because there's only a few of us. Uh, It would be nice for you to interact. I know that's not so good necessarily for uh, online watchers because they might not be able to hear what the question is. But I don't know. We might decide, you know, what to do with that later. But you're following me. So if there's something that you want to ask, you know, please ask me and we'll, we'll try. I actually do far better with interaction than I do just talking because I bounce off people. But anyway, so what we were talking about last week was how we came about with this name here, Lucifer, which you'll all be familiar with, um, being basically the, the devil, the archenemy of God um, in the context of the Christian narrative. And uh, we actually found that if you follow the um, the translations of, of the Bible, going back to Hebrew, it gives us a very different story. And uh, y- you can see then how, we have to be very careful that we don't just swallow what's written in the translation because it actually may may have gone uh, four uh, different journeys to get to where it is. So basically, I was concerned about this name, Lucifer, because that's the name we have got, capital L, for Satan. Uh, Satan is the word in the Hebrew for adversary and devil is the name in the Greek in the New Testament for Diablos meaning accuser, but we 've somehow got this name of this person, and when you actually look back uh, in translation, we get a, a very different story now i 'm not saying that any any which one you should pick, but what i 'm saying it 's not as clear cut as it seems now, let me just say what I was going to say. I was concerned about the name Lucifer because if you think about it with regards to names in uh, the Bible, uh, in, especially in the Old Testament, the name of the person represented of who they were from. So for instance, um, you, you've got names like Gabriel and Michael as being arch, archangels of God, uh, because L means of God, right? Yeah, it's quite clear. That bothered me then, because I'm thinking, well, how come we've got Lucifer? If he's a fallen angel and he's called Lucifer, I mean, I think that's just a logical question to ask. You, mean, you might think, well, what difference does it make? But it makes a lot of difference to me because I want to have some sort of follow-through uh, as a pattern that gives me confidence in what I'm, I'm learning. So when we get down to it, and again, this is the recap, we, we understand, and I've done some lines from last week, we understand that in the Hebrew Bible, it's not Lucifer, it's, it's either star uh, uh, morning star, son of the dawn, which either related to the planet Venus or Helel, son of Shahar, which I like that because you see elves come into it there and I'm thinking, oh, that's more like it. Until you realise that Helel, uh, son of Shahar, is either the name of the king of Babylon or it's found in the story of the Canaanite pantheon Remember, we talked about it when we were talking about uh, the, the, the uh, origins of the Old Testament, that uh, originally, the Israelites, before they became a nation of their own, um, did a lot of worshipping of other gods. They borrowed, because they were in different countries, and they borrowed a bit here, and they borrowed a bit there. Until finally, when we get into uh, the story of Moses, you find that there's a whole different thing unfolding and it's where Yahweh uh, introduces himself to Moses and says, I wasn't known to your forefathers as Yahweh. I was known to them differently, but from now on I'm going to be known as Yahweh. Is this making sense? I hope it is. So anyway, um, so uh, the Canaanites had a whole bunch of gods and this one here, if you look at, the stories he was one and guess what he did he decided that he didn't like El who was the most high in the understanding of their godhead and he says I will rise above him and I want to be at least equal with him and of course El said no way and cast him out of heaven so we have a story that's very similar to the one we have heard of but it's actually from the Canaanite pantheon which is fine the, I'm just saying what, what, what is. Then you get to the Latin Vulgate. So remember, this is the Hebrew original. This was then into Greek because it was all uh, translated into Greek. Then it was translated into Latin and that's the first time that you get Lucifer appearing um, fourth century when it was written by Jerome. And he translated this star, dawn, Venus, into lucifer why because latin they called the first star that came up on the morning they called it lucifer and by evening they called it venus so it was just a a a, a nickname really for a star so it had lucifer with a small l because it was lucem fairer the latin for light bringer light bearer so Can you see how it's gone from being a a functional word to being a person? And what's worse, it then becomes a fallen angel who basically is the one that is the archenemy of God and who all of us, all our lives, are going to be actually terrified of. Does, Does that make sense? Now, like I said last week, I'm not saying there isn't such a person, but from what the study we did last week, it's very unlikely that Satan of, of the Old Testament, which again was not a person per se, he was, it, it was an adversary. So it could be you, it could be me, and remember the illustration that we gave about God himself. When he turns up and he questions David about counting uh, his men, in one place, in, Corinth, uh, in Chronicles it says, and God incited the Lord incited. And then in, in Samuel, it says, and Satan incited. Now, which is it? The point is, it didn't matter. It was one and the same. And of course, we talked about the fact that in the Old Testament, the whole concept of uh, a, a devil or a Satan as being a being uh, was very uh, Well, it just wasn't heard of, because to actually say that there was somebody as great as God who was responsible for evil made God very small. So they preferred to say that God was responsible for everything, both good and bad. And then we got to the place, I know this is my recap, we got to the place where we said, well, okay, if this is the case, what does Jesus say on the matter? And we looked at Luke 10. 18, I believe it was. I'm doing really good to remember all this. I think I'm doing better than what I'm going to do tonight. In, in all honesty, <laughs> um, uh, what was I about to say? In 1018, where it say, where he says that I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, which we have to then say if we're going to let Jesus be the the guide, and believe that what Jesus says is more important than anything else, even in the context that we say that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father and of God. Therefore, if what we believe about God isn't like Jesus, then it can't be God. We have to believe then, if he's referring to Satan, then Satan must exist, but when we look at the uh, references, right the way through the New Testament, what you would call the red letter version of things that Jesus said, usually speaking, he is still referring to Satan as an adversary. It's still not a person per se. Although we'll get onto that tonight—that he that he may be referring to something else—but we'll we'll get onto that. That's a bit of a wrap up. Was there anything else, maybe, that I need to uh, need to cover? Or oh, did that does that feel as though it it covered most of it. Okay, then um, just put up on the screen. Oh, there, that was it. I saw Saint Paul. We'll we'll come back to that later. But let's just put this on the screen because I thought you'd find this really really funny. See where it says, "I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven." If you look at the original Hebrew again, this is where it all gets weird because all these translations introduce something different and if they had no idea of what the original was really getting at talking about it'll put something in and think oh there that'll do i.e we get this guy called lucifer oh that's what i was going to say even in the situation of job where the 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 story is that satan goes in to god and says let me have a go at job it's not satan as his name satan because it's called the Satan, and you never put the before a real name. See, so you find in Hebrew, if there's the before it, it's not a real name. So all the references to Satan, including the one in Job, there's some people question it wasn't his name. It it just again meant adversary. And of course, we talked about the fact that was he just the, um, the person who was basically the the hard side of God in the Old Testament, didn't we? Was that about covered last week? Do you think that's a good recap? Right, I want you to look at this, put this on, because I think this is hilarious. Look at this. If you go back to the original Hebrew, look what it says. Ra, Satan, Nafal, Aher Barak, Obama. I thought you'd like that. And I liked it too, because I wasn't... I wasn't searching for out like that. That just came up in my search and I thought, wow. And we have thousands of American people believing right now that that scripture is the prophecy Jesus meant when he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, is actually talking about Barack Obama because that is how it is translated. Now, isn't that silly? We would say it's silly, but there's a whole bunch of people out there who don't think it's silly. They think it's very real. But I use that to help you because if we were to do that for every scripture, going back to the Hebrew, wouldn't we find it difficult then because you come up with things like, like that? So I don't believe for a minute that Barack Obama is, is Satan, but it's there and you can see. Okay, you can take that off and... Um, We'll see where we're going to go from here. Right. Question is then, and like I said, this is where it's, I'll probably do the recap better than I do tonight because it's really quite interesting, all of it. Um, If Lucifer then isn't the name of the adversary, because if we put the in there, it means that, you know what I mean, uh, or the accuser, who is he? Is there a name for him? And again, you could say, well, is that important? But I think that we can find things out. Oh, the other thing that I was going to tell you was this as well is that we also said last week how we can come up with a doctrine um, or a philosophy about something that is massively important with regards to this arch enemy on very, very minimal uh, verses in the Bible. So there's this one verse in Isaiah. There's a verse in um, Revelation. Even and also we talked about Genesis being the you know the serpent. Even the serpent wasn't equated with Satan until much later. So again, it's one of those things where you're thinking, what's going on here? What are we are trying to do? And it seems as though what happens is there's a lot of borrowing from various sources. Now, where we're going to go next is this. Um, if we go to Leviticus, I think, anyway, 16, um, and I've learned a lot this last few weeks. Um, we've in previous, um, sorry, Leviticus 16, 8 to 10, in the King James, please, um, for now. Um, I was going to say, what had I just said? Oh, yes, I've learned a lot. When Anthony was doing um, some of the studies last, must, will be last year now, he, talked, he took us through the calendar of the Israelite feast. Do you remember? And he was drawing our attention that we have been very much uh, led to believe that Jesus was our atonement sacrifice. That word very much has been part of it. We've also used the word that he was our Passover lamb. We've understood that too. But when it, when it boils down to it, we really have to say that actually Jesus was our Passover lamb because he actually died Passover. It works in the context of the event. We learned then that atonement festival was way much later and it represented something very different than what Passover did. Atonement was about the forgiveness of sins, but Passover wasn't. And if you remember, Passover was the shedding of blood of a lamb in order that the children of Israel might be set free from. Slavery in Egypt, right? It wasn't about being forgiven from sins. There's nowhere that it mentions that. It's basically you, you, you basically kill Islam, put the blood over the door, and, and again, there's lots we could say about this. The angel of death will pass over you. And yes, we'll have to do a big study on the angel of death, but it's a big one, and I'm willing to do it, but not tonight. Okay, so we know that the Passover was about being. Delivered from slavery. When you come down to the Feast of Atonement, it is literally about the forgiveness of sins. So I loved it when Anne said, okay, we've made the the, the whole story about the cross and Jesus about the forgiveness of sins instead of the deliverance from slavery. And when, when actually, when you get down to the atonement, it is a suggestion that once you've been delivered, there is, uh, uh, there is absolute provision made for anything that we are or are not, should we say, within what Christ has done. Because it's actually still covered. It's an ongoing work. It's still covered. Which is far more... Um, for me, pleasing in that sense than putting it the other way around. So the forgiveness of sins is something that's an ongoing thing for we as weak people who know that we're not necessarily going to always make the right decisions. So it's within the whole thing, not the start of the thing. Does, is that clear? Making sense? Okay, so having said that, we've got to come to this, which is really very, very interesting because this is literally the feast of atonement. Now, I could not believe my eyes, ears, whatever, when I read this, because be honest, have you ever heard of the phrase, the Lamb of God who takes the sins of, of the world away, right? Have we heard that? Yes, we have. We've, we've been raised in it. The Lamb of God, the Lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. This was it. But when you get to actually looking at the, this Feast of Atonement, there's not a Lamb in sight, there's not a lamb. You think, well, surely there's got to be a lamb because that's what we've based our doctrine on. No, it starts, and I know we're a little bit further into the story, but it starts by saying, you need a bull, you need a ram, and then two goats. But there's no lamb in sight. And you think, well, well where, where, where did the lamb come from? Now, the people will say things like, well, the you know lamb, goat, synonymous. Well, yes and no. But when you get to the New Testament, lambs and goats aren't synonymous because lambs st- stand or sheep stood for the good and the goats tended to stand for evil and bad. So it's like saying that, the, that there's no consistency in our understanding of, of the whole thing. So when you look at this, you recognise that something's going on that we haven't understood. Now, I'll, I'll, Lord help me, because I really need help. This because it's really quite complicated. I want to make it interesting, and I want you to, you know, find it interesting. So, then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats: one lot for the Lord, and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented live before the Lord to make atonement upon it and let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. Let's just stop there. So you've got two goats. One is for God, Jehovah, for the Lord. And the other one, it says, for the scapegoat. Now, isn't it interesting? We talked about in... in. Um, translations how what had happened with lucifer we get a name created out of no name but then suddenly we've got something created out of a name because if we go to the hebrew of this where it says that one lot for the lord and the other lot for the scapegoat the word scapegoat does not exist the word that exists is azazel Oh, guess what? Whoa. Now oh, this is interesting. I feel happier when I find L's at the end of words. I mean, okay, I might find I'm totally wrong at the end of it all, but I'm happier with this than I am with... Can you see why? We want consistency, don't we? So, as yet, I haven't followed any notes. So, if I suddenly go weird, it's because I've come to the end of my memory and I'm going to have to go back to something. So, instead of... Uh, instead of in the Hebrew, it says uh, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for Azazel. It doesn't say scapegoat. It's only turned to scapegoat by the time you get to these other. So all of these has turned it to scapegoat. Now the interesting thing is, is have you ever heard about the gospel in essence where? Jesus has become the scapegoat in essence. It's scapegoat theology, because it's basically he is the blameless one who takes the sins of all the people and basically he bears it not because of all what he's done, but because of the sins of others, right? And but we have a -- I get it, and I can see it, but scape, scapegoat, what? But it's not actually scapegoat. It's this Now. Just as we said before that this can mean a few things, it can mean a few things again. Because Azazel can actually mean a deity, a person, a being, right? Which, that's why it says one is for Jehovah, the other is for Azazel. Or it can mean for the departure goat, meaning scapegoat in that sense, except the best way to put it rather than scapegoat is escape goat, which actually gives it a total different meaning because scapegoat actually has a most negative connotation and in essence incorrect but it's just that as you put things together you come up with that well that makes sense the scapegoat but when you hear about what happens you'll find that it's very interesting. So, the atonement, we've got, right, I was finishing this. We have Azazel is either a deity or it is the departure goat. That's what the goat is called. The, azazel, oh, isn't it a horrible word? It's either that or the other thing that it can be called is the, um, uh, the terrain or the, the mountain, the precipice. That's the word, precipice. Oh, or abyss, let's put it there. Press a piss or abyss, which is actually referring to the place where this goat is sent. So, again, I wish I could say to you, we, we, you know, we only have one uh, meaning of this, but we, we, in fact, have a few. But if you follow through the story, you'll see in a minute how amazing this all is. Um, where are we? Right, can we just go to the next bit? Uh, presented live before the Lord to make atonement upon it. Oh, there we go. And to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. Um, that was it, wasn't it? Right, to let it go. Now, here's the thing. If Jesus is our atonement, we have we have a problem. And, and, and many have said, well, the truth is Jesus is both the goat that is slain to forgive sins and he's also the goat that basically the priest lays his hands on and puts the sins of the people and sends it out into the wilderness. But to me, if you're trying to have a, a, a make sense of that, where did Jesus ever go out and be sent to run wild into the wilderness. Are you following me? We know that he was willing to 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 uh, be be sacrificed, but where is the other story? Where is the parallel to that that suggests? Oh, well, that makes sense because we've got the uh, one being slain, but then we've got the other um, going out into the desert. Right, the 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 bull and the ram that was slain beforehand was actually for the cleansing of the temple. So basically, all the people that came in were so sinful that basically, once a year, you just had to make sure that it was all cleaned up. You know, horrible, innit? it? With blood. I mean, fancy washing anything with blood. I don't think that that works anyway, but you know what I mean. Give me bleach any day. But you know, the, the, the idea was to cleanse things and then that was for the forgiveness of the people. And then there's this other picture of the sins being placed on this goat and sent out. Now... The story goes like this, that that was the ritual. But what used to happen, the scapegoat used to come back because they could always find their way home. No, just think about it. How do you, you you know, they would take them sometimes miles out because if if you follow it and you can go and look at it yourself, there was a person who would be allocated to take this goat and make sure it went... Yeah, sorry, we are, is that right? Yeah, we're still on, we're still on atonement. So the, the goat would be taken out by these people. And of course, people say, well, yeah, that's Jesus being taken outside the city wall and all that. Yeah, they, they sort of put the two together. But for me, I, I feel, no, I like, that's why I like the Passover lamb being the picture rather than, rather than this. But anyway, let me, let me carry on. So this guy takes the goat out and he's supposed to basically let it wander and then when he knows that it's sort of gone, he waves from afar off with big flags, almost like semaphore. Monty Python would do this good when he hit semaphore and basically that's the sign that the people's sins have been atoned for, so everything's all right, so everything can be back to normal, right? But like I say, this goat kept coming back well if the goat comes back it's not happened it's not gone now you'll say well that's weird because if the first lamb had paid the price by dying why do we need another lamb and it, uh, sorry i said it didn't i lamb another goat another goat well according to these they did And it suggested, well, one is for the forgiveness of sin. The other one is because it's to clear the conscience and you can go through all this stuff. But it just feels, to me, a little bit weird. So they changed their um, way of doing things. And what they decided that they were going to (laughs) do was, instead of letting the goat go, right, they would take it to this precipice of what later became, no listen, Azazel because it was the uh, craggy rugged rocks and they would hurl it off the cliff, yeah, where it would literally bounce against the, the, the rocks and it would just be absolutely destroyed and they knew then it was never gonna come home. So that's your truth of the atonement, right? So again, it's, we know that it's very bloodthirsty. We understand all that and we understand ancient rituals. And so we're glad that we're not doing them today. But when you've got to figure out what it means in our time and in our space, we've got to make sense of it, haven't we? Because this is it. So do you get, my, get what's going on here? Right. So we've got that happening. What? Yeah, but this is where I think it gets really very, very interesting. This Azazel, or Azazel, it's only mentioned in Leviticus. And it's only mentioned in the Hebrew Bible. And it's only mentioned each time it says scapegoat, that's the word that comes up in the Hebrew Bible. And we we find every time that scapegoat is mentioned, what it's really referring to is this. Now, we have to now go to Enoch. Now, have you ever heard of the book of Enoch? Now, some people would be saying, well, you know, it's not um, included in the canon. And we talked about that, didn't we, last year, about what was included and what wasn't. Um, And I've got to, can I get to my notes? I've got to find my notes in a minute. I think I've done very well so far, haven't we? So, um, because I've got to tell you then, you see where this, Comes from Now, isn't it interesting that we get Lucifer made into a name from a star, but then suddenly we get Scapegoat made into a word from a name. And um, it's interesting that you'd have to say, well, where does this come from? And it comes from the Book of Enoch. Now, the Book of Enoch, let me find some notes now. Oh, where am I going to start? Right, let me see. Um... Just talk among yourselves for a second. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm Where am I? It didn't escape. No, it didn't escape at all. But, you know, it, it got its end mainly because it used to wander back. So, um... The thing is, the book, in the book of Enoch, um, the th- it, it was written second century BCE. And the reason why it was, I don't even think I'm going to be able to follow my notes. I hope I can. Um, it was excluded mainly because it, was, it is such a crazy book in many ways. It's very crazy. And the things that it was talking about, were things that the people at the time in many ways didn't want to entertain. So for instance, the book of Enoch talks very expansively about Genesis 6. Now if you remember, Genesis 6 was about the Nephilim and about fallen angels Right? Now, do you remember we said last week that there's nowhere in the Bible that really talks about fallen fallen angels. It talks about angels that sinned. It talks about that in in Peter and in Jude, but they're only very small um, references. But even then, it would appear that the reason why those references were made was because the big book of Enoch was widely used by the early church in, in, in Well, by the early church, I've just said it, haven't I? So the very fact that people are referring in, sh- in small ways in other books is because the book of Enoch was, was used. And this Azazel comes up a lot because Azazel, according to Enoch, was actually the head of these fallen angels. Oh, now this is starting to be interesting, isn't it? Um, Who led? Now, the issue is here that you have to ask the question. Now, weren't we taught that basically the fall of the angels was before creation, whereas the book of Enoch is saying, no, everything was fine, even in the garden, because it talks about, even in Ezekiel, that it talks about the cherub, which we talked about last week, which is a very uh, flimsy reference, but was there in the garden in the beginning and everything was all right and everything that was created was good. So although we were taught, and it may be right, because again, we don't want to make things solid or concrete, but though we were told that the fall of this fallen angel, whatever he's called, happened in heaven before creation, it would appear that... According to Enoch, no, it happened at Genesis 6. And guess what happens when, uh, when Michael and Gabriel go to God and say, do you see what's going on? Basically, I'll say now to us, in Genesis 6, all these, uh, because basically they were called the Watchers. Now, you can find a reference to them in, uh, in, the, in the book of Daniel. So isn't it funny how we've got, references that from Enoch, bits and pieces around, but they rejected the whole book. And you think, hang on a minute, and think about it. Enoch, you know who he was? He was Noah's, now was he great-grandfather? Yeah, great-grandfather of Noah. So you could say, hang on a minute, Enoch was around. Now he may not have physically written it down, but word of mouth, we say that a lot of it was orally uh, passed on. But all of a sudden, people don't like the fact that Enoch orally passed it on. It's like, no, this is a load of rubbish and we don't want anything to do with it. Yet, there is so much that, that Enoch talks about, which I'm getting to, which is absolutely awesome. And I'm probably getting to it quicker than I should, but you don't mind, dear. Do when we get to the angels who are the good angels, who see what the uh, bad angels, the watchers are doing, remember with the women in Genesis 6 and they were having sex with them and producing the Nephilim, the giants, remember that story? If you weren't here for that, then I'm sorry, listen, you missed it. But they went and said, we can't have this, this is terrible, it's destroying the people. And guess what God says? He says, get hold of as the zeal, bind him up and throw him off the precipice into the abyss and may him be there until his final judgment. Now you're thinking, hang on a minute, the atonement story is more akin to that than it is to about us. So let, let's be just get straight to the point that what is happening if you hear me, I'm saying if, if we take Enoch's picture of what happened with the fallen angel because of what was happening in Genesis 6, we have the picture of the Azazel goat, or the, the goat for Azazel, having sins put on it and sent back to where it came. Now, what's absolutely amazing about this is that you've got, Uh, If I can find it, it's. um. Oh, hang on. Like I said, I've got just so. Uh -uh. Oh, I can't, Uh, it's the script, it's the, He says, hang on, where is it, there we found it, sorry about this, like I say it's been a lot of research and so I'm trying to give it you from my heart rather than just from the paper, but in Enoch 10.8 he says this, The whole earth has been corrupted through the works taught by Azazel to him ascribe all sin. So what you've got in essence is the the goat that's got the sin going on it being sent into the wilderness Where, if you look in New Testament times, the wilderness was associated with demonic activity, with bad things, with evilness, with wild beasts. And you know, sort of a picture of that. It was sent to where basically these beings existed, but it was being sent back as a sign that what you created in the beginning is coming back onto you. So what you have in the story of the atonement is first of all, the first goat paying the price of the sin and saying, that's it, everything's cleansed and and done. But the second one is saying, let's send it all back where it belongs. What do you think about that? It makes sense, doesn't it? Okay, so... um, Right. 2 Peter 2 says that for God, if, for if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but basically put them uh, into punishment, this is a reference to Enoch and what has happened to Azazel. And the other scripture is Jude 14, when it says, the angels who did not keep their position, but abandoned their proper dwelling, our will be kept in chains till judgment are basically referring to Enoch. Interesting. Do you think it's interesting? Okay. Let's see what else we're going to talk about then now. So, um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right. The other issue is that you've got so many other words, like you you mentioned Beelzebub, didn't you, at the beginning? Beelzebub, and I'll just find where I've written them now. I've just got so, so many notes. Oh, here we go. It's on this one. Uh, The names that come up, um, and and I got a a bit of a lesson. I need a tissue. Where's tissues? Any around? Is that one in a bag there? Give me one of them. That's it, lovely. I got a bit of a lesson about this with with our Riley the other day. He's collecting these Lego Uh, cards. And uh, the one we picked out, it was um, a picture of, uh, you know, a Lego person, but with all uh, serpents on its head. And I immediately said, I said, oh, that's Gorgon. And he went, no, it's Serpentina, he said. And our Connie then said, Medusa. And I thought, "What what a good lesson for us all. Because the point is that there's many names for a similar thing right across the, the board here. So we've got Beelzebub that Jesus refers to. Um, but basically, he was the the lord of the flies. He was a major false god, but he belonged to the Philistines. He was a, a god of Baal, basically. Um, it's interesting that Samael is the Judaism version of um, In the Talmud, you find he's called the poison of God. He's that synonym, 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 yeah, for Satan. Then you've got Mastema. Now, it's funny, because I think where you get your change of names, it's because of the influence or whatever. Uh, In the Book of Jubilees, and you'll say, well, what's the Book of Jubilees? These are books that have incredible insight in them, but they were rejected. Uh, And when you actually ask the question why they were rejected, The reasons they were rejected, you would have to say, but books that were accepted have got the same problem. So I.e., well, we can't believe that Enoch really wrote it. Well, I know for a fact, there's a big debate of whether the the gospels were written by them and definitely Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, whether that was written by uh, Moses. Um, You know, it's just, (laughs) you think, well, well, then why does it, We'll get to that in a a little minute. But anyway, um, Abaddon, he's referred to once in Revelation 9 and he's the ruler of the abyss. Um, But basically was more to do with like a a Roman um, idea of, of the prince of darkness. We've got Azazel there, Leviticus 16. And then this is an interesting one. You've heard of the name Belial, well, this is really interesting. He, although he's considered like a name like Lucifer or all the others, it's interesting, though, that, that it was used to to actually call people. So, like the sons of Eli um, were called sons of Belial Bil- because the word means worthless, which is interesting. Um, but that's what it's like in the Hebrew. But then when you find in other translations, translations belial is the, the angel of darkness so all these words can you know be be s- synonymous really but anyway so where do we want to where do we want to go from here oh yeah and then also enoch refers to somebody called satan s- yes yeah, satan al so it's basically Satan with an AEL on the end, which you might think, oh, yeah, well, that makes sense because what, what basically scholars say is that after Satan's fall, um, he lost the L. Makes <laughs> sense, okay. I suppose. Anyway, where are we? Let's see where we're going from here. Um, So, we have to look at, I've missed an awful lot and I really don't know where I am. Please forgive me. Um, Oh, right, right, this is is what I wanted to say. Now, do you remember, again, I'm trying to refer to things you've been taught, where where it was that Satan fell, whatever his name is, but he fell um, because of the idea that God was going to create man and then he wouldn't, that that place of power anymore, because basically man had been created higher than the angels and given power and authority. Do you know where that idea comes from? It is not in the Bible at all. It's actually the Islamic version of what they believe about their version of Satan. So in Islam, again, I'll just find my piece of paper where I've written it. mind of information here. Um, who's called Iblis, Iblis, which, according to Islam, is this person, or if he is the, a person, original name, right? So can you see all this cultural borrowing going on? Uh, and it means to despair. I think that's a great name, isn't it? To despair. Um, and they borrowed it from Jewish folklore um, because they became arrogant once um, the idea was to create Adam and they refused to bow to him. Um, he would not prostrate, prostate, prostrate, which is it, which is it. Ruh. Prostrate. It's because everybody calls it prostrate cancer, isn't it? I know, that's why I'm getting confused. So anyway, um, he said... This is Iblis in the beginning, and this is the Islamic idea, that um, Adam was human, um, so he wasn't going to be willing to bow to him. So that's why he was demoted. Now, there you go. That's Islam's idea. Now, isn't it interesting that we've got all these little bits here, but what we're left with in the Christian Bible is this and this. Very sparse information well actually when you look at the atonement story with the connection with Azazel, the scapegoat, and this precipice idea where you've got him being held in chains until the end, it actually makes total more sense as a as, as a picture. Right, let's see where we go from here. And if there isn't, it's only half past eight, but we can be done, can't we? You got a question? Go on. I'd like that. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we, we did talk about that when we mentioned about um, Solomon and Job, about trying to find meaning, because you have to find meaning. And that's why at the beginning, the whole uh, concept of a Satan being, cosmic entity, was not even entertained until much later on, because it was just God who did it all. He was responsible for everything, um, and it kept it very simple you know do right you're going to be rewarded do bad you're going to get uh, in trouble but it's actually from the same source but then as you as you move along things are developing and you get to the point where even in the new testament we would have to say that as far as jesus is concerned he's separating these acts of uh, of what you would call uh, evil from his father to somebody called satan right and that, like I said at the beginning, we can't get away from that unless we're going to say, "Well, actually, that's wrong. That's not right." Which I don't think we can. We can do that. It is something, so we have to look at it. Um, and I have it somewhere in all these pieces of paper, but I. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, Enoch, let's talk about why it was. Um, mind you, I found another word, right? Enoch talks about the Grigori. Hear that word, Grigor? No, Grigori, not Gregory. Grigori, the Grigori was was this group of angels of which uh, three were the baddies who, who fell basically. And like I say, he talks about it being at Genesis six. It's not a war that was in heaven before creation, he talks about it being at the time where the watchers, now let me explain what the watchers were, they were just basically angels sent to earth to watch. Um, But this Azazel is the one who is is, uh, singled out to teach people on the earth things that they were never meant to know at time. Now that's quite interesting because you could say, is is that how they came to build the pyramids? I don't know. It's just a thought. But it's, it's suggested that things were taught and if you look then at um, Sumerian um, theology, is that the right word to use for it, but their beliefs, the book of Enoch is so much like Sumer- S- Sumerian teaching that that's one of the reasons why it was rejected because it was two alike so you think okay then and in their whole uh, understanding they've got what's called the Anunnaki or the sons of Anak, do you remember the giants so the Anunnaki who basically were the ones who came down onto the earth and were teaching the people acts of war, weaponry how to fight, there were things that weren't supposed to be be taught, basically. So anyway, these are just the things, I'm just giving you information, really. So um, uh, this is Sumerian theology, so hang on. Right, um, hmm. also what's interesting, our understanding of demonology, right? You know, when we talk about people being possessed or what have you, Again, our understanding comes from the book of Enoch and even its references in the New Testament come because of an understanding of the, of the book of Enoch because the, the, the fallen angels that were supposedly thrown into the precipice and the abyss, it wasn't all of them. There was those who died in the flood because remember what we talked about, that was one of the possibilities why the flood were sent in order to deal with the, uh, this going on, this bad stuff that was happening. But although they were dealt with, their spirits still basically are free to roam. So although there aren't that many, it's suggested from Enoch that basically that's where there's some held in chains and they're going to be there And even though they appealed to be released, they're not going to be released and that's the end of it. But there were some where the spirits wrong, which is interesting, isn't it? About the um, uh, potentially that that's where the idea of demons come from, which I don't know one way or another. I'm just telling you here. There's another thing that's interesting. You know, the whole thing about wearing hats in church and Paul talks about women having your heads covered because it's your glory. That comes from the Book of Enoch and he's referring to the fact that the angelic hosts were looking with great lust at the the, uh, human women uh, because they were so beautiful. So basically, that's where it comes from that you should cover your hair. Now all these things are really interesting because I'm thinking, well, yeah, I've been taught this all my life, but I didn't know that that was its origin, you see. See, things like that. Very interesting, isn't it? So what else have I got to talk about? And then we might just stop there. Um. Mm. Right, another interesting thing. Genesis 15 in the, the Hebrew as well. You know, it's the, the covenant that Abraham, uh, I was going to say made with God. I was about to get that really wrong, wasn't I? Come on. The covenant that God made with Abraham. It's the one that we use very much in the context of New Covenant. Abraham goes to sleep and that basically God makes the covenant with himself and, and what we don't make, we can't break. And that's the wonderful picture of then the reiteration, reiteration of that at the cross, which is the, the blood covenant that is reiterated. Uh, now, this is the thing. There's a part in it, and I haven't got this, uh, the actual verse, But in the Hebrew where it talks about the birds of the air coming down, trying to steal the sacrifice, this word's used, again, it's a bird of prey and it's called, so it's interesting how it keeps coming up, that word. Um, What else? Let me see. Um, Sorry? Well that was John, wasn't it, who said in the New Testament, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And in essence, at the Passover, it was a lamb. It was the Lamb. We still have a lamb. Yeah, we still have a lamb, but it's Passover, not atonement. At atonement we've got two goats. They've tried to put them together to get meaning, but in fact, when you get into this, you can see how the, the one that you send out, and especially that's gonna be thrown off a cliff and everything, it all doesn't really fit very well, unless you associate it with sending it back to where it, where it came from. Let me just see what I wrote at the end. Oh, I was talking about uh, Gregor. Grig, Grig, You've heard of Gregorian chants? It's actually from the book of Enoch. Grigor was the group of angels that were the um, uh, official, you know, servants, sons of God who then out of that bunch fell. Okay, let me just see if there's anything else I want to... Right, the other thing about Enoch is that it has the most references to the phrase, the son of man in all the Bible, of all the Bible. So I know we haven't, it's not included in the Bible, but when you actually look at this, it's talking about the Son of Man, the Son of Man. It's like prophesying Jesus from start to finish. It does it more than any other book in the Bible. And when you remember what Jesus called himself in the New Testament, he says, don't... You know, don't call me son of God. The, it, who was it that was calling him the son of God? It was the demons that were calling him son of God. He says, no, I, I'm I'm the son of man. And so what, again, they say about the book of Enoch is that there is this prophetic, uh, incredible uh, future proclamation um, of the son of man coming, which in the end, when it was, uh, to, you know, whether it was going to either be included or not. It's not that they just didn't include it, include it, it actually was suppressed, almost tried to be got rid of. Now, why would that happen? Because the Son of Man, the Messiah being promised, the Jews just did not accept. So that makes total sense, doesn't it? That they, they weren't going to have it for that reason. Right, give me just a second, and, and then let me see where I am, and then... <laughs> I find as well the very fact that Enoch, what it says of him in the Bible, he, and John mentioned it at the beginning, it says he walked with God and he was not. So basically the whole idea of Enoch was that he knew something or was something that meant that he didn't even physically die. So there was something about him that was quite amazing and yet that didn't include whatever it was that that he wrote, which is which is interesting. Um let me see if there's anything else that I want to say. Um I think I'm hang on. Talk among yourself. I've <laughs> uh, done all that. Mm hmm. Hmm. I think I'm done. Did you find that interesting? Oh, go oh, Go on. <laughs> Catch me out. Go on. <laughs> well, yeah, but then as I've looked uh, uh, as I've looked at that, it's deba- it's debated, and I wasn't going to bring you what was debated but basically right in the Hebrew as that bit of this means she so it, it looked as though it was a you know a female goat which again makes you think about the whole thing it was a female goat and if it's supposed to represent Christ but it's just the tense and I'm not really very good at Hebrew. I don't speak it fluently at all. <laughs> People say, no, you talk talking a lot of rubbish, but it does. But anyway, yeah, that, that is, it does come up at times and it's actually a she-goat. Uh, but like I say, that's debatable. So I wasn't going to, I only like to give what there seems to be good, you know, evidence for. So, I think I'm more or less done. You might say, well, what, what good is any of this? Uh, <laughs> well, let me see. Where's this thing here? I find that the, the ritual of the atonement speaks to me more about the end of this being than it does about us. And I thought, yeah, do you know, I like that. I love the fact that the Passover is a beautiful picture of the lamb slain for our, for our liberation, for our freedom. It's nothing to do with the forgiveness of sin. The atonement we can look at and say, yes, within... Because, you know, we talked about the cycle that it goes on and then it comes back to the top. There is provision made f- for cleansing, which is awesome, but it's not the be-all and end-all, right? But when you look at it from this angle, it's actually more connected with the end the the punishment of this one who's held in chains and uh, like i say it's in peter and um and uh, jude where it talks about them and you see that's the reference to tartarus do you know when we talked about hell and uh, not being real not being a proper word but there's Ge- Gehenna, hades and sheol and of course there's the reference to tartarus Well, that's the only reference to Tartarus and it's referring to Enoch uh, where it's talking about where this Azazel is held with all his fallen angels, which, and then it talks about actually, yes, we'll finish on this bit because if, let me see if it, if I haven't made it up. (laughs) Um. No, no, don't know where it is. Um, but basically, I, like I say, I've got way too many notes and so now I can't find out. <laughs> um, not that one. Not that one. Oh, and by the way, Jesus quotes, He not quite a lot, but we've got to look at that. We've got to look at that another time. Um, I was trying to find the the thing about what's going to happen. Yeah, you know, when it talks about, um, in the New Testament, it talks about the lake of fire being reserved for the devil and his angels. Again, that's taken from the Book of Enoch when it's referring to uh, Azaziel, as, as who has been bound and thrown into this uh, abyss, which it's called. It, there's another name for the mountain as well, Do du, du, Dudael or something, which is very interesting. It's actually a place and that mountain right at the moment, which is supposedly where this abyss is in the middle of it, Would you believe it's owned by the United Nations? That's a nice piece of information for you, isn't it? So, anyway. So, there you go. So, I could give quite a lot of, um, you know, evidence there to say that probably the name of the fallen angel, if there is one, is more likely to be this, here. Um, And I, I find it interesting that... The, the whole thing of the scapegoat ritual that the church has be, been co- so dominated by is more associated with this than it is actually about our salvation. Do you not see that? It's more about that. No, it doesn't. You're absolutely right. This keeps it going. This keeps it going. But... Uh, the, the, the Passover lamb really does set you free and that's the end of it. But free to what? Free to be free. And you're right, just to be. So there you go. I am done. I hope that that's been interesting for you. Um, is there any more questions? Any other questions? I might not. Well, no, that is the that is the interesting fact that we need to carry on and do some more research because it could be that in the context of ancient peoples, they never wrote it up that it could be anything other than this cosmic war between good and evil and ultimately God winning. And, you know, because, like I said, this, this person is bound until the final judgment, which is the lake of fire etc but why does it have to be that It, 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 it yeah exactly yeah but that's why I've said many times and and you know I can get into trouble for this I'm not even sure there is one I don't know whether this is just the stories that are created to make meaning which I'm happy with that that we can make meaning but Is is there a bigger story? Is there a better story? Do we need that? Is there a more beautiful gospel? But at the minute, this is what we're getting from the sacred texts in that sense. I found it, like I say, very interesting that it's Islam that have the story about um, the angel refusing to bow to Adam because I thought that that was ours. (laughs) It's funny when you say ours. I don't mean ours in that way, you know, Like, but, you know, when it comes to... uh, uh, our theology and our doctrine, then um, I thought that that was our understanding, but actually it's not. It's, it's, do you call it conjecture? Is that the word? It's what is thought, oh, well, this is what happened, you know. But if the fall had to happen before uh, creation, well, then why might it happen before creation? Well, it's because God thought of making man and that's, they got all upset about it, you see? So it works. All right, but we have no, we have nothing in Scripture like that. What we do have a very clear picture because of Genesis six, and uh, if we're going to accept that that's true, um, we have something happening in Genesis six that was massive, that actually required uh, a flood uh, of some, you know, quite catastrophic nature to sort things out but even then we talked about oh, the fact is that oh yeah I've got to tell you something Do you here's something really amazing that Noah might the reason why Enoch this is another reason why Enoch was rejected because Noah might have been a, a, a child of the Nephilim because in Enoch it talks about um, Noah being white-skinned blonde hair blue eyes and that's in the days of very much black-skinned people, so it suggested that Enoch, uh, sorry, that Noah was white, and so that was the line then that comes of white supremacy per se, which they decide we're not having none of that. <laughs> See, interesting, isn't it? Now again, what we've said in this group, we we're just throwing it in the pot. And um, but I like the fact that you know if if it's true that the whole earth is corrupted through the works taught by uh, Azazel to him ascribe all sin, and the fact that the atonement goat was sent to him, I like the idea of that because it's sending it back where it belongs. But that's only if we go with that story. Okay, done. <laughs>